Amen. Thank you. I appreciate those prayers tonight, and we say amen to those prayers, knowing that God hears and answers. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of James this evening. James chapter 4. And um, I felt led to preach on prayer tonight, the matter, this matter of prayer. I uh, know I'm not going to be preaching on Wednesday night for a, quite a while. It may be. Who knows? The Lord may have me come back sooner, but that's up to him. But um, I thought there's nothing more important than prayer. God does not work in prayer according to whim or fancy or, or just by impulse. There are definite laws. There are principles in the Word of God for getting our prayers answered. And the time will come, if it hasn't already come, and for some of us it hit, it's there, when uh, prayer will mean more to you than anything else in the world, and getting an answer to that prayer. And so it's important that we know what the Word of God says. James is talking about prayer here in chapter 4 and chapter 5 as well. And, but the question asked there, look at verse 1, James chapter 4, verse 1. This is the question that is asked, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? You know, if people can't get along with other people, it's because they can't get along with themselves many times. And if they fight outwardly, it's because there's a fight going on inwardly. We're going to read these ten verses anyway in a moment, but... Uh, in that verse 4, there's a word there, enmity. And that word enmity means warfare with God. And so James here, is in, he's an intensely practical preacher. He's not a philosopher. He's not basing his thoughts on some theories. And, but he's very practical. He's talking about a subject that is very needy, a needy matter in every church in every Christian's life, and that is the matter of prayer. There's a few things I want to point out, then I want to get into some basic principles in the time that we have, but first of all, I want you to see in verses 1 and 2, the unasked prayer. So he talks, he asks this question in verse 1, then it says in verse 2, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, Yet ye have not, because what? Ye ask not. And so James here pictures a man that is struggling, a man that has got problems in his life, and, and he gets to where he, he, he uh, fails, although he has all these needs, he fails to ask God for help. And so lusting, scheming, warring, fighting, killing, trying to get what he needs, trying to get what, and, and that's how we oftentimes respond, uh, get what we need when all the time, all we have to do is ask. Ask, and ye shall receive, as it says in John 16, 24. Do you know, tonight? I know you know this, but let me remind you anyway. God wants to answer your prayers. You're his child. God's not holding out on us. We don't have to... Uh, fill out all kinds of paperwork and go jump through hoops and stand on her head or do some other thing, all we have to do is come to him and believe and he will answer. He wants to answer our prayers. And very plainly, now uh, maybe even some here tonight, undoubtedly some 
that may be listening on Spotify or the podcast. There, there's many out there that have needs that are very important to them. Needs that are unmet in their life simply because they haven't come to God. And that's true on many cases. And a God who invites us to come and ask Him. A God that beckons us to come to His throne. God put it this way, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And, and uh, 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 seek, I, I left out seek. Seek and you shall find. And so God says, I want to hear from you. I beckon you to come in Matthew chapter 7. Now this is God's plan. God's plan is for us to pray, to depend upon him, and for him to answer our prayers. Um, it not for us to do it ourselves. We, you, you must, we must ask God. Because frankly, we can't do it. There's a story of a little boy who was trying to move this huge boulder. And he's pushing and grunting and struggling. And his dad is just amused by it. He's watching. And he, sa he, he said, son, are you using all of your strength? He said, yes, dad, I'm using all of my strength and I can't move it. He said, son, you're not using all your strength. He said, what are you talking about? And he said, you haven't asked me. And that's the way we do it a lot of times as Christians. You see, so many times we say, oh, I, I, I'm struggling, I'm trying with all of my strength and all of my might, and, and I just can't seem to get anywhere. But don't forget, God is your strength. God is our strength. Have you asked him? Have you said, Father, I need your help. I want you to help me do this. Now, are you going to, to quit trying and start trusting? I think that's where we need to be. Let's quit trying to, to do what we cannot do and just start trusting God in what he said he will do. And so did you, did you know that not only are we missing a blessing when we don't pray, when we don't ask, but you're also sinning against God when you don't pray. Prayerlessness is more than weakness. Prayerlessness is wickedness. Listen to 1 Samuel 12, 23. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. In how? Well, in ceasing to pray for you. So when God, the Holy Spirit, gives you a prayer assignment to pray for me or anyone else, and we don't do it, then we sin. If God gives me a prayer assignment to pray and I don't pray, I am sinning. It's that simple. I'm sinning against God. Again, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. You see, prayer is a command of God. He's, he's commanding us to pray. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, very familiar to us. It says there to pray without what? Pray without ceasing. That is constantly, consistently, continuously to be praying, to be in a uh, 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 just an uh, uh, attitude of prayer. If you're not praying, if we are not praying, then we are transgressing, we are sinning against that command. Luke 18, 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now that word faint means to get weary and to stop praying. Don't stop praying, 
You know, it, it's, uh, now maybe that doesn't happen to you, but uh, for many of us, we, we pray for a while, then we say, uh, we get tired, or we forget, or uh, we're inconsistent. And, and, uh, but here we're told to continue to pray, uh, pray without ceasing. And uh, all, pray for us all men always to pray. Now, if men ought always to pray, and they don't pray, that's sin. That's sinning. So if God is commanding us here to pray without ceasing, and we don't do that, again, simply put, it's sin. We are in sin. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. In his book, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, he said, prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will make a man cease from prayer. So you see, there's not a, a sin in my life, but that prayerlessness was not a part of it. There's not a failure in our life as a Christian that prayerlessness did not have a part. There's no vile or hideous sin in mine or your life or anybody else's life that that proper prayer could not or would not have prevented had we uh, just trusted the Lord. Remember, Jesus Christ told his disciples, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation in Mark 14, 38. And the reason that we enter into temptation is that we have failed to pray. That's what I get from that command there. If we don't pray, we're going to fall into temptation. We're going to uh, uh, fall prey to temptation. Uh, we failed to pray and we failed to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, prayerlessness is sin. Again, it says, ye have not, because ye ask not. God forbid that we should struggle and, 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 and try to do it all on our own strength, by ourselves. And so what you see here, uh, James is talking about a man that's struggling, a man that's got problems, but he failed to ask God. And then secondly, there's another kind of prayer. It's the unanswered prayer, unanswered prayer. The unanswered prayer this man is kind of selfish. Not kind of, he is selfish. Uh, there are some people who, who uh, don't pray. Then there are other people whose prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. And look at verse 3, if you would. Ye ask and receive not. Now, not every prayer is answered. Some prayers, indeed, are, are, are not answered and will never be answered. Um, Look why. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask amiss. Now that is, you're asking for the wrong thing. And you're asking with the wrong motive. That ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is, there it is again, enmity with God. Now I've already told you what that word means, enmity, warfare with God. So whoever is going to be a friend with the world is an enemy with God. That's pretty serious. Now, can you imagine the enemy of God? Can you imagine the enemy of God uh, 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 praying? And, and, and do you think the enemies of God are going to have their prayers answered? No. Uh, how are we the enemies of God when we become a friend of the world? Some say, well, what in the world's wrong with being a friend of the world? Now, we're not talking about lost people. That's not what we're talking about here at all. Uh, we're... We're not talking about uh, nature, okay? That's, that's not what we're talking about. 
uh, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about this evil, ungodly world system. That's what the word here is referring to. Uh, that system in the world that is against God, that is against Christ. And now notice what James says that friendship with the world is. It is adultery. Boy, these are pretty tough words now. I mean, this, this is putting it right on the line. You see, Jesus Christ is our, our heavenly bridegroom. The church is the, the bride, and we are married to Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking. And because we're married to him, we're to be true to him. We're to be pure before him. Now, this world, the world, the world system we're talking about, not the people, but this world system is like that harlot that we read of in the Old Testament that would steal away our love from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we flirt with the world, when we run with the world, when, our, when the ambitions and ideals and desires of the world find a lodging place in our hearts, then he asks, uh, you know, here clearly uh, uh, we set ourselves at warfare against God. We're at, at war with God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, suppose there's a, a worldly Christian who has unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin. He's aware of this in his life. He loves this world, and he comes to God and says, God, give me your strength. Now, do you think God's going to do it? Actually, he cannot do it. Suppose there, let me just give you an illustration here. Suppose there's a woman who's been unfaithful to her husband. And then she comes to her husband, and, and by the way, he's well aware of her unfaithfulness. He knows what she's been up to. But she comes to him, and she says, husband, I want the keys to the car, and I want you to give me about $5,000. And he says, well, what in the world? What do you want that for? Uh, and she says, well, my boyfriend and I, we're going to take a trip up to Chicago, and we're going to spend the, the week there and just have a good old time. And I... I just thought you would want to, uh, uh, you know, take care of all those needs. And, and so would you subsidize our trip for us? Now, you say, well, he, if he's a wise husband, he wouldn't do that. Of course not. And, uh, but, but what he would be doing would just be simply, if he did help, would be aiding and abetting this adulterous situation. Now, do you see it? When a worldly Christian comes to God and says, God, give me this, give me strength, God, give me wisdom, give me this or that or whatever, uh, why should God give a worldly Christian strength? Uh, some are sick and they say, God, heal me. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about a worldly Christian, one that has been unfaithful to God. Why should God heal them if they don't intend to use their strength, to use their health for, for God, for his service? So if they plan to go on out with that help, with that uh, uh, provisions that God has given, and serve the devil, why in the world would God uh, aid that? And so not only is God not going to hear, God is going to oppose us if we come to him in that way. You and God are into a war when you are asking amiss, when you are coming with a, a heart of unrepentant sin and and unconfessed sin. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity or warfare with God. You see, there's, there are prayers that are unasked. There are prayers that are unanswered. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that if God has, uh, 
he, he, they think of him as some glorified bellhop or some Santa Claus in the sky. That everything I ask of him, he better give it to me. And he's, that's what his job is. He's supposed to give me everything I want. And uh, simply because I ask for it. And yet they don't love him with all their heart. They, uh, they don't have any intention to live for him. They're committing in their life spiritual adultery. And, uh, but now let's, let's go on to the third thing. So we've seen the unasked prayer, the unanswered prayer. Number three is the unhindered prayer. Uh, we're going to read in a moment verses 5 through 10, but I'm just going to take them as we get to it because your prayers ought not be hindered. Rather, it ought to be a normal thing for God to answer our prayers. You know, sometimes people will say things like, well, hey, believe it or not, God answered my prayers. Now, like as if that was something unusual. God actually answered my prayers. That was the most strange thing. No, listen, it ought to be unusual that if our prayers are not being answered, it ought to be the most normal thing in our life, everyday occurrence for God to answer our prayers if we are in the right place with him. Let me give you these five principles that's listed through here, and I am uh, watching the clock here, but uh, five principles. We see them right here in the, in the word of God. And remember, uh, there's principles here that God, how he works through prayer. He doesn't work arbitrarily. He doesn't work on a whim or a fancy. There's rules for prayer, just like anything else. And if you, your prayers are not being answered, it's because somewhere, somehow, you're transgressing God's principles. So I'm going to give you these. They're right down the line here uh, they, as they come. One, two, three, four, five. And so let's see them. Verse 5. Let's read uh, uh, verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Uh, do you think that the Scripture said with no purpose at all, had no purpose in this at all, that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now, who is the spirit that dwelleth in us? The Holy Spirit, that's right. And, and so the, the Holy Spirit, if, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, the Bible says, then he is, not, or he is none of his, in Romans 8, 9. Now that phrase, lusteth to envy, uh, it may confuse some as you read that, because oftentimes when we read the word lust, we think uh, in a more sinful way. Uh, this, is, this does not mean the sexual desires or anything like that. simply means a strong desire for the entire devotion of the heart. So, in other words, the Holy Spirit lusts to envy. He desires with all of his desire that your heart, that my heart, that our hearts, our, 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 our full heart, total, completely be given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And... He has every right, by the way, to, to ask that or to desire that, that, that our full heart's devotion, because it does belong to Christ. And so you're not to be a friend to this world. Uh, you are not to be committing spiritual adultery. The Holy Spirit is put in you, why? To cause you and I to love Jesus Christ passionately. And honestly, we see very little passion anymore in, among many believers today. God didn't say that in vain. God said it with a purpose here. The Spirit 
which he made to dwell in us, it jealously, the Holy Spirit jealously yearns for the full devotion of our hearts to be toward Jesus Christ. Now, you've allowed the Holy Spirit, have you, to cause you to be deeply in love with Jesus Christ? When the Holy Spirit of God brings your full heart's devotion to Jesus Christ, when you yield, and, and this is what it means, to yield yourself to the Spirit in such a way that you don't quench the Spirit, that is when we are praying in the Spirit. As it says in Ephesians 6.18, where Paul said, uh, we are to pray, or to be praying without, or excuse me, let me stop, start over. We are to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So what, again, what is praying in the Spirit? Praying in the Spirit is letting the, whole, letting the Holy Spirit dictate our prayers. Letting the Holy Spirit lead us in our prayers. Praying in the Spirit is letting the Holy Spirit of God direct our prayers, energize our prayers, to move us in prayer. You see, we pray in the Spirit through the Son, Jesus Christ, to the Father. And the very first principle of prayer is that we must be sensitive to the Spirit. We must be in submission to the Spirit. And he makes prayer not a duty, but a delight. Now, do you ever find it difficult? We don't need to answer this, but... I'm, I'm sure I know the answer. Many times we find it difficult to pray. Have you ever had to drag yourself to the place of prayer? Have you ever had to just seem like you had to force yourself just to pray? And, and you know why that is? It's because when that happens, we're being ruled by the flesh. Uh, the flesh is at in enmity, is at war, warfare with God. The flesh is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. Remember when Jesus spoke to those sleepy disciples? He said there, the spirit is willing, but what did he say about the flesh? The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh doesn't want to pray. So if, if, a, if you are a carnal Christian... A fleshly Christian, you're not going to find prayer a delightful thing at all. It's a drudgery. If you're a spiritual Christian, you're, you're going to find prayer indeed is a delight. And if the Holy Spirit uh, in you is free. Now, if you find it difficult to pray, it's because you're not filled with the Spirit. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, it's because you have not surrendered completely to the Holy Spirit. And and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that, it's because of unconfessed, unrepented sin in your heart and in your life. You have been enamored with this world. You have become a spiritual adulterer. You, you're in love with this vile world, this vile world that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. You have set yourself in a place as being an enemy uh, of God. Uh, an enemy of, uh, of the cross of Christ. Your prayers are not going to be answered. Um, there must be a sensitivity, a submission to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there must be, and I want you to look at verses 6 and 7, a submission to the Father. If there is a sensitivity to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, then that will lead to a submission to the Father. 
look, at, look with me, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. No longer be proud like, like that man who fights and wars and, and schemes and desires, but cannot obtain, cannot do what he wants to do. He tries to do it himself. What we need to do is just come to God and say here, like it says, God, I can't, but I know you can. Lord, I cast myself upon you. I am unable to do it by myself. And so here, Lord, I, I humble myself before you. And Lord, I, I, want, I want this to be done and you to be glorified. I submit to you. And that's the only way it's going to be done. So answered prayer is not for the rebel Christian. Nor is prayer some way uh, that you kind of bend God's will to fit your will. Um, nor is prayer some exercise where you're going to talk God into doing something that he ordinarily would not do. Um, prayer is, is this, just simply submitting to the will of God. That's what it is. This world uh, got, into, got into trouble when it, uh, when in the Garden of Eden there, when Adam, when he said something like this, not thy will, but mine be done. I mean, I know those words aren't there, but that's what he said. Basically, I know your will, God, but I don't want to do that. I want my will to be done. Now, then the second Adam, Jesus Christ, in another garden said, Lord, not my will, but who? Thine be done. Thy will be done. And so Jesus is the example for you and I. Jesus taught us if we would get our prayers answered, remember this model prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There it is. That that's, should be in every one of our prayers. Thy will be done. Lord, this is my desire, this is what I'd like, Lord, this is my request, but your will, Lord, be done. Not mine, yours. And and so that's where we're going to see answer prayer. Uh, and, and you will, you, are you willing to pray that way? God, your will be done. Now this is the confidence, it says in 1 John 5, 14, the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything, listen to this, according to his will, he heareth us. You know, so many of us are wanting God just to rubber stamp our own plans and ambitions and our desires, our likings, our own ways. We don't want to wait before the Lord. We don't seek the Lord. We, we don't lead, uh, uh, allow God to lead us and let God's word abide in us and we don't abide in it. We just come marching into his presence with a, a shopping list. We say, God, here it is. You do this. I need this. And then we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayer. We must pray in the will of God. We must surrender to God. We must submit ourselves to the Father. Listen to it again. Uh, James 4, verses 6 and 7. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, not only is God not going to be your answer, he's going to be your adversary. He's going to resist you. Uh, God is going to set himself in battle against you. 
Well, then let me get to the third one here. There must be a sensitivity to the Spirit, a submission to the Father. Thirdly, there must be a standing against the devil. Uh, there in verse 7 again, resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, now, why does he mention this right here? Seems, you know, I, I believe that James is talking about the subject of prayer. Why does he mention this here? And anybody who has tried to pray knows that the enemy is going to attack. If you've tried to pray, uh, I believe ever, I've seen some nods here tonight. You know that's true. H have you ever endeavored to pray and, and you've got things prepared and you've got your list before you and as soon as you start praying, the phone rings or the kids get into a fight or the dog attacks the neighbor's dog or something happens, everything happens. Uh, you can go into your closet and say, okay, I'm going to shut everything out. Nothing's going to bother me. And when you do that, I mean, the devil gets in the keyhole, gets under the door. And uh, he, he is trying his best to uh, distract us, to keep us. Uh, our, our, isn't it amazing how our minds wander uh, during prayer? And what is that? Well, that is the enemy doing all of that. And you say, well, can he do that? Oh, yeah. Yes, he can. Did you know that he can take thoughts out of your mind and even put thoughts into your mind? Uh, yes, the devil can do that. Uh, you, you're reading the parable of the sower that Jesus uh, said the devil was like the birds that come and steal the seed away. And you know, oftentimes I'm preaching and I know the devil birds are out there, they're circling. And, and you know, somebody gets under the convicting of the power of the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden that bird swoops down and just snatches that seed out. And then that's why we, our minds are wandering. We can be playing softball right in the middle. We can say amen, and our minds were a thousand miles away. That's the devil at work. And so you can sit right in church saying amen, nodding your head with a smile, and be fishing out on the lake and with no idea what's going on around you. So those things are just there. The devil is stealing that seed from our mind. Now, but not only... Can he take thoughts, but he can put some thoughts in? I, I just want to remind you of um, uh, Judas Iscariot. We read there in John 13, 2, the devil having now put into the heart or the mind of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus Christ. Where did that come from? It came from the devil, that thought. That, uh, it, now, uh, now, honestly, uh, Judas had set himself up had opened those doors for the devil to take control, but the devil takes thoughts and puts uh, 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 thoughts in, and he'll do that when we pray. I mean, prayer, folks, we need to face it. Prayer is warfare. And uh, why does the devil oppose us when we pray? Why do we find it so hard to get before the Lord and, and to gird up the loins of our minds, as the Bible puts it. Why is it so hard to pray? Uh, because, here's why, the devil fears our prayer. The devil fears our prayer. J. Sid Sidlow Baxter said this, I believe that whenever we begin to pray, the devil must say to his demons, stop him from praying, stop him. Boy, if he learns how to pray, he can beat us every time. But if we stop him from praying, we'll beat him every time so you know what the devil says to us as a church 
the devil says to the nouns of Baptist church, you go ahead and you have uh, a nice building. You go ahead and you run those bands and you uh, teach the Sunday school classes and do all of this. But don't pray. If he can stop us from praying, he's got us beat. And so it is so important that uh, we learn there's power in prayer, um, that we need to come to him and uh, almighty God in persistent praying. So the devil laughs at all the things that we do. But when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees in prayer, he trembles. For he is fearful of that. Because there you're calling on the power of God. And so prayer is a warfare, but praise God, greater is he that is in you, that is in us, than he that is in the world. And resist the devil, it says here, and he will flee from you. And I am running out of time, so let me get to the fourth one. There must be a separation from the world. Look at verse 8. Uh, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Defiled hands, dirty hearts, double minds. They um, do not get prayers answered. And so we're to be lifting up holy hands to God in prayer. It says, cleanse your hands. It's not a dark, deep secret here no mystery why god doesn't answer some prayers remember isaiah said in isaiah 59 verse 1 through 3 your sins have separated between you and god and your iniquities have hid his face from you listen to this that he will not hear remember also in proverbs proverbs 66 18 if if i regard iniquity or sin in my heart the lord will not hear me so cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. And uh, the, these defiled hands and hearts and double mind is not going to see prayers answered. When we see, confess our sin, forsake that sin, uh, tell the world that it's no longer going to happen. We're no longer having this affair. We're, we're, we're separating uh, from them and, and end it. It's over. And cleanse your hands. Well, then let me give you the, the uh, number five, the last one. There must be a soberness purpose in verses 9 and 10 be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and he shall lift you up a soberness of purpose what is it well serious a seriousness of purpose uh in, in our prayers you know we Continue, look, as we read these verses here, another reason that our prayers aren't answered is just that we, we have half-hearted, giddy, little, frivolous, easy-uttered, soon-forgotten prayers. I wonder if a poll was taken and you were to ask believers 20 minutes after they prayed, what did you pray for? I wonder how many could actually remember even what they prayed for. If we rattle off our little, now I lay me down to sleep, that kind of prayer, and there's other, if we just read the little booklet of the prayers, uh, we never get hold of God with both hands when we pray. And, and we never get to the place where we're pleading with God, where we're interceding on the behalf of those in this world. Prayer, what I'm trying to say is prayer is work. It's work. Prayer involves brokenness. Prayer involves weeping. And that's one of the reasons for fasting you see when we fast it's not that we are earning favor with god you're not going to buy uh, 
a blessing by fasting. What fasting does, it serves heaven with a notice, hey, Lord, I really mean business. I'm serious about this. This is real. This is a serious thing, the matter of, of getting my prayers answered. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, they uh, couldn't even tell you, again, really what they prayed uh, a few moments ago. But there's a time, look, God wants us to laugh. God wants us to have a good time. There's a time to have laughter, and there's a time to weep. And I will say this. God knows that this is a time for America, who's laughing right now, to be weeping. Uh, America's laughing her way to hell. And it's time that America starts weeping. I tell you, there's, uh, there are things that are just caving in around us, aren't they, uh, in our world? Communism, militant communism is on the march. We're murdering millions of babies every year in our, our, just here in America. And, and pornographers are, are dealing their goods, uh, like one preacher uh, put it, like a broken sewer. And it just keeps spewing out in our society. And people are crying for freedom from restraints. No police, no prisons, no punishment. I heard someone yesterday say, well, I just think they ought to be able to do whatever they want to do. Well, what about throwing a brick at a police officer? Or shoot? Oh, well, they ought to be able to do whatever they want to do. That's where this leads us, where we're at in this society of ours. We need to have a broken heart for America. We need to shed some tears over America. People are crying for all these things and their rights and their demands. And you would think some of these College kids who've never worked a day in their life, who don't even know what it's like to suffer in life, and you would think that they are fighting a, a battle at Valley Forge, that they're fighting for liberty and freedom. And they're nothing but Marxists, terrorists. I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a shame that we even compare those uh, mobs with uh, some of our soldiers that are sacrificing. But nonetheless, our, our country needs prayer. But not only should we weep for the wickedness in our world, and there's much to weep about, but we should weep for the weakness in our churches. And because the problem doesn't lie at their doorstep, it lies at our doorstep. So we ought to weep for the lost individuals around us, our own loved ones in some cases. We ought to weep for the barrenness and the powerlessness of our lives. We ought to be on our faces before God in repentance and prayer and weeping. As James said, be afflicted and mourn. People like that, they want to go to church on Sunday morning and, and uh, you know, people that, that uh, live in sin and have no power at all of God, they want to go to church on Sunday morning. They want to have their, the pastor give them a, a seven-day milk bottle and then burp them on the way out. That's about what it's come to in a lot of churches, babysitting. And they think, well, that's all I need, preacher. I'm done for the week. I'll be back next week for my bottle. And, uh, uh, and, and there's no real growth there. Someone's described the 20th century church as a dry-eyed church in a hell-bent world. General William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. You know him well, a great man of God. Someone wrote General Booth and said, General Booth, we need a revival here. 
We're not, uh, we, we've done everything, we've, we've organized, we've prayed, we've done everything that we know to do, and there's still no revival. What should we do? And he mailed back this short but terse telegram. He said, try tears, try tears. And God said, I've seen thy tears, and I've heard thy prayer, 2 Kings chapter 20. So when's the last time you shed a tear? in prayer over some soul that was mortgaged to the devil. Listen to it again. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You see, many times we, we don't really mean business with God. Um, look at chapter 5, if you would. I'm done here. I'm just wrapping things up. Um, Look at verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Now notice the last part of verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer. That, that word fervent literally means stretched out. It's the idea of a runner. He's sprinting down to the finish line and he stretches out to that finish line to be the first. He's stretching as far as he can so he can get across that ribbon and be the winner of that race. And that's the idea here. The prayer that is answered is a fervent prayer. Well, you're, you're striving. God, uh, forgive us for the coldness and the half-heartedness and the, the laziness, the lackadaisical attitudes that we often find ourselves in and that we have in our prayer life. So there's unasked prayer, a man that's struggling, but he don't ask. There's unanswered prayer because of sin. Their prayers aren't being answered. The selfish man, asking for what he wants, but not what God wants. Unhindered prayer, that's the prayer of a spiritual person. The spiritual man who, who's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who's submitting to the Father, who, who is standing up to the devil, and the devil will flee, who's separated and who's serious when they pray. Prayer's not a game. It's real. Ask, and ye shall receive. God answers prayer. The hope of your life, the hope of this world, and the hope of this church is that prayer is answered. Let's start by getting on our knees and pray. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that prayer is real that uh, your, your name, just the mention of your name, we have your attention. And that you are concerned and, and you care. And God, I do pray you'd forgive us for our not being serious enough in this matter of prayer. And I pray that we would, um, would spend more time in prayer with you, depend more upon you, knowing that you are the only one that can do what needs to be done. When it comes to the things that's happening in America, we feel helpless, and we really are by ourselves. But we also know that when we're on our knees, when we're serious about prayer, God, the devil trembles, and things will be accomplished because you are all-powerful. We love you, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering. Now you guide and direct each and every one as they go home this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great night. And keep praying.